As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, it feels like a mini Super Bowl. It's Seahawks week for the 49ers, and it's the first time that they return to Seattle, CenturyLink Field, since the heroics of Dre Greenlaw, and that was exactly 10 months ago at the end of 2019. In fact, that was the last NFL game of the decade when the 49ers stonewalled the Seahawks at the one-inch line maybe the one millimeter line. I mean, every time I watch that replay, guys, it gives me anxiety just watching how close Hollister was to scoring a touchdown that would have changed the entire trajectory of the most recent postseason. But the 49ers won the game. They cleared their path to the Super Bowl. They obviously lost in the Super Bowl, but they did have that NFC West title and the NFC title under their belts last season. We fast forward to this season, the Seahawks, are now in control of the division early, although they are coming off a loss against the Cardinals. But they are in that driver's seat, and the 49ers are trying to make up some ground. You got the 5-1 and one Seahawks against the 4-3 and three 49ers, and it's a situation, Matt, where this if the 49ers want to win the NFC West this year, I think it's as close to a must-win as there can be without it actually technically being a must-win because you cannot afford to fall another game behind the Seahawks at midseason. Right. As, as good as the, the 49ers are, uh, they're still in last place in the division. And I know a lot of people are watching that Rams and Bears game the other night and thinking, oh, man, the 49ers are way better than the Bears. The Bears could end up going to the playoffs uh, because, you know, they they, uh, they have a better record, obviously. But their division isn't as good. They're, they're two good teams in the NFC South and, and the Buccaneers and the Saints. So, um, I don't think the 49ers have to win the uh, the NFC West in order to get into the playoffs, but boy, you want to be you know uh, first or second, I think, just to kind of guarantee it. And obviously, this game is um, uh, a way to make up ground. Uh, they made up great ground against the Rams two weeks ago, and um, you know last last year's game, the, the the season ender for the whole league, not just th- these two teams. That was the that was sort of the nightcap on the 2019 season, that, that brilliant 49ers-Seahawks game. But it kind of shows you how important each of these division games are because sometimes it comes down to a game exactly like that. 
And uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, we talked about it coming out of the Patriots game. Uh, the, the 49ers have been um, kind of finding the right formula, but some of the pieces of that formula, Dennis, aren't going to be around for this game. No, uh, no Debo Samuel. The 49ers might be down to Jarek McKinnon and Jermichael Hasty at uh, at running back. So it's going to take another, I think, uh, lesser known guy or two to step up, just the way Dre Greenlaw did last year in order for them to win this game. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And when you look at injury report with the San Francisco 49ers, it just goes on and on, and it seems like it grows every week. And then, David, I know you're, you're, you're kind of charting this, and, and that chart's got to be getting real, real long now. And the 49ers just can't seem to catch a break. It seems like every week there's someone going down or someone being put on IR, and these are a lot of the key players. But we talked about it on this podcast. Uh, to win this division, you're going to have to be the best on not the offensive side, but the defensive side. And you have to go out and you go up to Seattle and we talk about Seattle. This is kind of a big rivalry. We always talk about the Rams, but over the years, this has been the big rivalry. When you go up to CenturyLink and the 12th man, the 12th man won't be there. But still, you're battling Russell Wilson and, and a high-powered offense, a Pete Carroll who seems to always have his team super motivated. And you have to go out and you and you have to play good defense. You have to play almost great defense against Russell Wilson. And you, and you have to kind of set the tone with your defense. And I think after last week, you see that this team can set the tone on the defense, defensive side of the ball. Uh, you're playing against a Seattle team that has a lot of weapons. And the biggest weapon is, is Russell Wilson in, in that backfield and what he can do with his legs and his arms and his eyes. And he seems to be in sync with his receivers, and he's got some big-time receivers on the perimeter. So you got to play tough defense. But as far as the 49ers offense goes, you got a team now that you can put some points on the board. The defense, the Seattle's defense gives up the most yards, the most passing yards, the most running yards, definitely in the division and, and, and probably in the league too. So you have to be clicking on all cylinders. Even though you don't have some of your big weapons, you really have to be clicking on offense, put some points on the board. And then I'm going to make a bold prediction right now. You guys ready for this? Ready. I'm going to say Dante Pettis goes back to Seattle, Washington, where he played his college football, University of Washington, go dogs, and he has his breakout game of his career, not season, but career. Wow. On Sunday wow. against the Seattle Seahawks. That's bold. Sticking up for the fellow Husky. I like it. I, I like the loyalty. And we, we do know that Dante Pettis had his biggest career game in Seattle back yes. as a rookie, right? In 2018, scored a touchdown. 49ers got blown out, but Pettis was kind of the bright spot in that game. That is very bold. We'll put it out there just because we don't even know if Pettis is still going to be on the team by Sunday. But there is a good chance that he will be. He is openly on the trade block right now. Kyle Shanahan said, yeah, we're looking to trade this guy. Um, but he said that a move might not happen because he doesn't know if the 49ers are going to have any takers in that regard. And, you know, th that really contextualizes what we're entering right now. And I I'm going to classify it as a five-day storm. 49ers play the Seahawks on Sunday and then the Packers on the Thursday right after that. Guys, those are the top two offenses in all of football in a five-day stretch. And right in the middle of that five-day stretch – is the trade deadline. It's on election day. It's 1 p.m. on November 3rd. So there's a chance that a lot is going to happen and a lot likely will happen as far as the 49ers trajectory goes 
over this five-day stretch that starts on Sunday in Seattle. And one of the things that the 49ers are going to have to do is outscore the top two offenses in the league in the Seahawks and Green Bay. And the Seahawks are the first challenge. Maybe Dante Pettis is the player that helps them get over the top with no Debo Samuel. Maybe it's somebody else. Hey, it could be Jordan Reed, who Kyle Shanahan actually thinks may play on Sunday. We, we weren't expecting Jordan Reed for three or four more weeks kind of off the NCL sprain, but he, his practice window is open today. I was skeptical. I thought that, oh, maybe they're just getting him, you know, warmed up to be back for the Green Bay game. But Kyle Shanahan said that he's still holding out hope for Jordan Reed to be available on Sunday. So it, it, whether it's Pettis, where, whether it's Jordan Reed, you know, I, I don't care who it is, but I do think the 49ers are going to have to have somebody new step up offensively Matt, because uh, Debo Samuel was such a big part of this team's identity in that sweep game that we saw, you know, just dismantle the Patriots. But to outscore the Seahawks and this great offense, I mean, it's not a great defense, but to outscore them, the 49ers are going to have to find production from some new places. So maybe it will be Pettis. Maybe it's going to be somebody else. Yeah, I don't think Jordan Reed plays in this game, just given how careful they were with him at, at the start of the season. But the fact that he's you know, starting to practice again, I think is a great sign. I mean, it, it's, it means that he's not one of these setback guys. We keep hearing about 149er after another having a setback from his injury and coming back later than what they initially thought. So it doesn't look, uh, even if, if Reed doesn't play in the Seattle game, it doesn't look as if he's going to be very much longer than that. And it's, it's a great point, though. I mean, the 49ers have to juggle a lot of these sort of injured guys over these next two games. Tevin Coleman's in that category. Kwan Williams is in that category. Do you have them come back and and play a little bit earlier than you would want to against Seattle, or do you hold them in reserve uh, against the Packers? I, I think it might be a little bit of both for this team, but kind of shows you where they are. Luckily for the 49ers, I mean, they're, they're, they're facing a team that not as injured as them, but the, the Seahawks are close. They've got... Ten guys in, in the Wednesday practice report, they had ten guys who didn't practice and another four who were limited. And it uh, doesn't look like Jamal Adams, the, the safety that they traded for, probably the, the captain or, or one of the two captains of their defense is going to play in this game. They just traded for Everson Griffin, uh, a defensive end. He's not eligible to play in this game. So they are catching a, a little bit of a break there. And also, there's not going to be any fans in the stands. On Sunday, so I think the 49ers have been psyched out by that crowd noise in, in years past. Maybe not under Shanahan, but certainly so uh, previous to that. And and that uh, that's something that they don't have to contend with this weekend. Yeah, and advantage San Francisco 49ers not having that 12th man because I've been in that stadium when those fans start getting riled up and getting loud, and it's tough to hear. So advantage 49ers. Tell me what you think about this. You talk about some of the guys being injured. I'm thinking about not having a D Ford out there, not having a Nick Bosa out there. The rush kind of slows down a little bit, and that might work as an advantage for the 49ers because it's going to kind of help maybe contain Russell Wilson a little bit because you don't have that fast rush on the outside, and then Russell Wilson doesn't have that time to kind of see those run lanes and kind of take off down the field. The rush lanes that he's going to get from Deion Jordan or Hyder Jr., it's not going to be like a D Ford or Nick Bosa. So maybe I'm just thinking, I'm trying to think of some some good positive stuff for, for this defense. Maybe you can contain a Russell Wilson with a slower rush. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think there is some nuance to this point, and I think the main thing that's working in the 49ers' benefit right now without Nick Bosa and D Ford is that they've been really, really good in coverage the past two weeks. The pass rush obviously has not been overpowering like it used to be with with Bosa on the field, with Ford on the field, but they've just been blanket tight on the back end to the point where even their backup nickelback, Jamar Taylor, was making great plays against Cooper Cup, against the Rams. Obviously, Jason Verrett's playing like one of the best corners in football right now, and then the Patriots' pass game just didn't have a chance against the 49ers. But more to your point, Dennis... I think that you are right in that the 49ers, even though they're less talented, obviously, with the pass rush, they've been rushing in really disciplined fashion. Yeah. And I think Chris Kersurek has acknowledged, hey, I don't have a D Ford. I don't have a Nick Bosa. We may not be able to collapse and get to these mobile quarterbacks like Cam Newton last week, but I'm going to coach my guys to do the next best thing. And that's push the pocket in in a disciplined way and cut off the escape valves, and just make that quarterback generally uncomfortable. Now, I think you always want Nick Bosa terrorizing the quarterback, but if you can't have that, the next best thing is to have those reserves rushing in a disciplined fashion, and then letting that coverage, which I cannot emphasize how good the coverage has been for the 49ers this year, letting that coverage do its job on the back end. Now, the thing about this game is that the coverage is going to be challenged way more than it has been over the past two weeks. So they're going to have to bring their A game, and even if they do bring their A game, they're probably still going to give up points, which is why the 49ers are going to need to score offensively. Because, Matt, when you look at Seattle, you have Russell Wilson as the best deep ball throw in the NFL. You have DK Metcalf. You have Tyler Lockett. He had 15 catches for 200 yards last week. I think that's why the 49ers want K1 Williams back, so you can match up on Lockett. And then I don't know what they do about Metcalf. Last year, Emmanuel Mosley did a good job covering him, but Metcalf has gotten better this season. So it's going to take just one hell of a coverage effort for the 49ers. And that's going to have to tie in with what Dennis was saying. It's going to have to be a disciplined rush back there to at least make Wilson uncomfortable and not let him start running. Yeah, we've talked a lot about how the 49ers have sort of uh, dressed the offensive weapons around Jimmy Garoppolo's strengths, which are are his quick release and his accuracy with these uh, kind of uh, yak guys, these catch and run guys. Well, the the Seahawks have done the same thing. John Schneider and Pete Carroll have uh, drafted uh, wide receivers who – are perfectly suited to Russell Wilson's strengths. And DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are are great down the field. And the 49ers really have not been challenged in that regard this year. I don't don't know why. I don't know whether it's the the caliber of quarterbacks that they've faced or what, but not a lot of uh, deep balls against them. To me, that's the most interesting part of this week. DK Metcalf is huge. (laughs) We saw... In the game the other night, he's fast. He, he ran down Buda Baker from behind. And the 49ers starting cornerbacks are, are going to be little guys. I mean, both of the starters are, are 5'10 or around there. And so that's obviously going to be something that the, the Seahawks try to take advantage of. And the other guy who's, uh, who's interesting to me is Tarverius Moore. No Jimmy Ward to start out the week. Very likely that he's going to miss uh, a second straight game with that, that quad strain he experienced last week. And um, this becomes uh, the most prominent game for 
for Moore. And Moore has all the tools. He's tall, he's long, he's fast, he can cover a lot of ground. He's got to be the guy that when Russell Wilson goes deep to Lockett or, or Metcalf, swoops in at the last second and knocks it away, this will be a great game for him. Really a, a showcase game for him to show that he's worthy of being a starter in this league. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Dennis, besides Dante Pettis, and I'm still trying to get over that, who are you looking forward to seeing in this game? You know, I'm a little biased. First of all, I want to see Javon Kinlaw finally get his first NFL sack. Yeah. This is going to be his first opportunity to pass rush against a guy like Russell Wilson. And like I said, I think with the outside pass rush not being you know, straight up the field, I think being in that wide nine. But I do think Russell will try to flush to the middle. He will try to climb the pocket a little bit. I want to see Javad Kinlaw continue to get better. And I've seen it each week. He's been close on some sacks. He, he's, he's played to run really well. But I think this is a time for him to kind of get on his horse and really get after Russell Wilson. I'm waiting for Eric Armstead to have that one huge game. I'm talking multiple sacks. Uh, and I think this could be a game where that defensive line, again, really has an opportunity to shine. I'm always looking in the box. I'm always looking for that defensive play or, or those offensive linemen just to maul somebody. But I want to talk about this kid, this, this Metcalf kid. I, I don't know what he did when he was younger or what his parents fed him, but he is a beast. And I don't know how you defend someone like him. You would think, put some hits on him. But I don't know if you can. He's fast. He's strong. He's athletic. He's got good hands. And I think you said, it. I mean, this secondary, you got to be on your A game because, you know, Lockett's going to be number one target. But Russell Wilson put some balls out there and just lets him make plays. So it's going to be interesting to see or watch this develop the entire game how they kind of defend him and what they do to kind of neutralize him. Well, if we're talking about potential second stringers for the 49ers having a matchup advantage against the Seahawks that the 49ers wouldn't have with their first stringers. I think you have to look at Tarvarius Moore and DK Metcalf, the only 49ers defender who can athletically speed wise, keep up with DK Metcalf in the open field is Tarvarius Moore, a guy who they picked in 2018 out of Southern Miss third rounder, 4-3-40, elite athlete across the board. He was just raw at that safety position, which is why he fell to the third round. And the 49ers were almost shocked when Moore fell to the third round because they just love the measurables there. So fans have been waiting for a couple years for Tarvarius Moore to really pan out on a more consistent basis. I think he's had his flashes, including against the Seahawks as a rookie in 2018. Moore played cornerback, and the 49ers beat them at Levi Stadium. Remember, Tarvarius had a couple big pass breakups. Then, obviously, last season, he uh, had an interception and a, and a big pass breakup in the Super Bowl. But we haven't seen much of him since they re-signed Jimmy Ward. So if Ward doesn't play and Tarvarius Moore is in at that center field free safety position against an elite deep-throwing offense like the Seattle Seahawks, this is his chance to shine. This is his chance to be a turf eater. That's what Nick Mullins calls him. He was teammates with Nick Mullins at Southern Miss. And, and you know, everybody from Southern Miss just said that Tarverius Moore was a down-in, down-out turf eater. He's going to have to eat a lot of turf in this game if the 49ers pass rush is you know, not getting home on Russell Wilson, which we don't expect it to because the Seahawks have been good in pass protection this year. I think we're really expecting this secondary to have to do the job downfield, and I think that Tarverius Moore-DK Metcalf matchup 
as many times as we see it, Matt, I, I think that's going to be crucial. I think you're you know, I think you're onto something with that one. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch, and and I like Dennis's uh, Javon Kinlaw watch list as well. I mean, he does seem like he's ready to break out. I remember DeForest Buckner, his first year, played a lot of snaps, was around the ball a lot, and um, didn't get a lot of snaps. And then something happened in in, in his second season. And especially with R- Russell Wilson, I wish I had the stat in front of me. I, I, I should have it. But he got very good at doing something that most 49ers had a lot of trouble with, which is getting Russell Wilson on the ground. Like <laughs> He figured out the formula. And I'm not expecting Javon Kinlaw to, to figure out that formula his first year. But, but someone's got to be able to get him to the ground. And I agree with what you guys were saying, that the pass rush as it's structured now might not give Wilson these these big gaps and these big openings to kind of slink out and, and to make big plays. But, you know, it could still do a lot of damage just from a regular pocket. That's the beauty of Russell Wilson. He can, he can beat you both ways. So you're right. I mean, it's, it's going to be up to this secondary. I'm eager to see how many snaps this new guy, Jordan Willis, gets. Obviously, the 49ers are, are seeing something in him that... His two previous uh, teams didn't. But, uh, yeah, the pressure and sacks are, are a problem. Right now, the, the sack leader on this team is is Kerry Heider. He's got 3.5. The next guy is DJ Jones with two. Eric Armstead only has one and a half this season. So someone's got to start to step up and uh, consistently put pressure on the quarterback, whether it's Russell Wilson whether it's Aaron Rodgers uh, on, on Thursday, because uh, you're starting to get to some quarterbacks who can do a lot of damage with their arms if they just have time to sit back there. You know, and, and Russell Wilson, if you watch him play, it really feels like he's not really running around to run the ball. You'll see him take off every once in a while to get a first down, a crucial first down. But it, it really feels like he's, he's trying to extend plays. And the way him and Lockett, the chemistry they have, they kind of play Sandlot, like backyard, football and they they always seem to know kind of where each other are at and it's kind of weird to watch because you he'll throw some balls up and all of a sudden you'll see Lockett just fall right underneath it so there's something that that they have uh, I don't know if it's an offseason work but but they they are on the same level the same mindset type of thing and you really have to be careful I mean you when you see a quarterback kind of scrambling around running around you're always thinking a big loss but Russell always seems to come out of it with a big gain. So getting him to the ground is important. I do think you can get some pressure with this offensive line. I think this defensive line, you can get, get after Russell, you can get him on the ground, but you first you got to get him contained and you got to take away that run game. So it's going to be very important early in this game to shut down. I don't know if Carlos, is, Carlos Hyatt's going to be playing or who they're running back. They've got some injuries there. But you really have to shut down that run game and then make Russell Wilson uncomfortable uh, once he's he sets up in the pocket, get him off his mark. Seattle's always going to get those big plays, those big gas plays, but you got to limit him at some point. Well, it won't be Marshawn Lynch this time. And that wasn't a joke last year. They actually signed him before the 49ers yeah. went yeah. up to Seattle. Didn't go well for Seattle, by the way. It was a pretty inefficient performance from Marshawn and one can argue that it cost them the game at the end because Lynch was slow, I think, getting into the huddle and it cost Seattle a delay of game penalty. And that pushed them back, right, from the one to the six. And because of that, they had a pass. And because of that, Dre Greenlaw made his stop. So 
Um, that that one might have blown up in Seattle's face last year, but but it won't be blown up in their face this year because now Marshawn is safely retired. One thing to note: you guys were talking about Kinlaw not having a sack. I do think he's been really good in run defense this year for the 49ers. And the 49ers as a whole have been really good in run defense. In fact, in run defense DVOA, they're ranked number six in the league this year. That's up from number nine last season. And remember, that was the hope really when they let go of DeForest Buckner via that trade and picked up Kinlaw. They said, hey, Kinlaw is going to be great against the run immediately. He's going to eat up some double teams. It's going to take a while for him to develop as a pass rusher, but he's going to be better than DeForest Buckner was at anchoring as a rookie. And and I think that's actually come to fruition. I think Kevin Givens has been good against the run this year, and, and I think it's really shown up in a quiet way for the 49ers. Number six against the run is nothing to laugh about. As Dennis said, you got to stop the run first so Russell Wilson, so your secondary can actually focus on Russell Wilson passing. So I think that that might be a slight leg up. And then one more thing that I have to bring up is Seattle is a top five offense on first and second down this year. They haven't gotten to many third downs because they've been so good on first and second down, but they are ranked number 23 in the league on third down this year, which is shocking because you think of Russell Wilson as pulling, you know, magic out of his hat on every single third down, which has been the case over the course of his career. But for some weird reason this year, Seattle has not been good on third down. And conversely, the 49ers have been awesome on third down over the past two weeks. And Seattle's defense has been terrible on third down. So the splits, if you look at it, of this game are Seattle's offense bad on third down, 49ers defense good, 49ers offense good on third down, Seattle's defense bad. If those play out to fruition... The 49ers can win the situational downs that really matter. So they just have to make sure they propagate those trends in this game. Yeah, yeah. Last year was the year that, that Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator, came into prominence. And you saw him on the sideline a lot. And he got a head coaching interview and whatnot. And deservedly so. He, he had such a good team. But... So far, it's almost like he's more deserving of praise this year, even though the, the defense isn't as good, because he's having to make something out of out of nothing. Just no no kind of edge presence. All of his secondary has been hurt, and yet, you're right. I mean, the defense has been efficient, and we all keep waiting for the dam to break at some point. Uh, I thought it was going to break in New England, and it certainly did not. And uh, I think a lot of people are looking at Russell Wilson in, in the matchup against the 49ers and thinking he's just going to absolutely feast. And he might, but if he doesn't, I mean, uh, this will be a real tribute to to Sala, to Chris Kosurek, to all the coaches on that defense. It's just been a solid, efficient defense so far and and we've talked about this in the past that's what the 49ers need to do this year and if they can kind of do that consistently week in and week out and then you start to get your Jordan Reeds and your Tevin Coleman's and your Raheem Mostert's back and the offense can run away with games then then you've got a, a nice formula for success so so far so good again we keep talking about the gauntlet and the gauntlet's getting smaller and smaller for the 49ers but um, to this point it's been uh, pretty impressive what they've been able to do on defense yeah and we talk about this gauntlet and you know they've they've done much better you know, last couple of weeks, and they did the, the first four weeks and we and we were all predicting that those first four weeks were going to be kind of the preseason game. So, you know, 49ers have to continue to play up to the standard of their opponent. And this week they've got 
a very high bar. You've got the Seattle Seahawks, they're, you know, they're head NFC West and, you know, they got Russell Wilson, they got the the receivers, explosive, like I said, you got a coach that keeps the guys really motivated and uh, you know, again, Salah's going to have to come up with a, a a game plan like he did last week. And last week, you know, you were you were worried about uh, Cam Newton. You didn't really have anything in the perimeter as far as receivers went. This week, you've got them both. You have a, uh, a mobile quarterback, an accurate quarterback, a quarterback that probably throws the best long ball in the NFL, and you've got some pretty good receivers on the outside. So your defense has to be focused going into this game. Uh, it's a short trip to Seattle. Uh, it may be cold. It might be raining. But your defense has to set the tone just like they did last week against the Patriots. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, guys, let's answer two questions here before we sign off from uh, some of our followers. This one's a a good one from Edgar Eduardo Tejada on Twitter. He asks, can the 49ers stay afloat without Wilson and Samuels, Jeff Wilson and Debo Samuel? I think yes, because the next two teams that they play, and let's just focus on this one, but both of the next two opponents don't play a lot of defense, Seattle especially. DVOA, Seattle's ranked 28th in the league in defense. And the pass defense especially has not been good for the Seahawks. Plus, they won't, you know, they may not have Jamal Adams, who was the the prized pickup of the offseason, spent a couple of first round picks on him. Remember what happened last year in Seattle when the Seahawks had a better defense than they do now. Jimmy Garoppolo absolutely torched them. No incompletions, 18.4 yards per attempt over their entire second half. He was thrown deep. He was thrown short. And you know what? Mainly he was hitting his specialty weapons. Kyle Juszczyk had a huge 40-plus yard gain out of the slot where he beat Seattle's linebackers who are good at the start of the last decade but are not good in coverage anymore. Those guys are aging. You know, Kendricks, Bobby Wagner. Those guys are great against the run. But there are matchups to be won by the 49ers in the passing game. So I think they're going to make up for the losses of Debo Samuel and by going downfield to guys like Kyle Juszczyk in this game. George Kittle, I think, is going to have a big game for the 49ers. And obviously, they're going to make up for the loss of Debo Samuel by using Brandon Ayuk. And I think he's going to be a big-time weapon downfield. I heard Dennis's Dante Pettis prediction. And I like another guy who played college ball in, in the state of Washington, Kendrick Bourne had um, on paper a quiet game against New England. But if, if you look at all those long runs and the touchdowns, he was blocking his you-know-what off on, on all of those. And uh, he's from the Pacific Northwest. I think he's from Oregon. Played college ball there. He's the natural guy to get the start with Debo Samuel out. I, I think he's going to have a big game. He's, he's he kind of uh, eyeing a contract at the end of the season or maybe in season, probably at the end, given uh, all the salary cap issues. But he's motivated. He, he worked really hard in the offseason. This is, again, like Tarverius Moore, sort of a showcase game where he can uh, make a make a mark. I can see Cal Shannon. He's got to be fired up for a game like this because you got a defense that you can open up your playbook. I mean, you you talk about a Bobby Wagner, some of these guys aging. I mean, th- these are things that you can do a lot of uh, a lot of eye candy, a lot of motions, 
a lot of misdirections, you know, get some mismatches and you can use these guys in a lot of different ways. And you can, you can set this, this, this game up and just have this defense kind of on their toes. And this is a week to do it. I mean, you, you, you're missing some, some key guys, but you still got a lot of weapons on this offense. This could be a Jimmy Garoppolo game. I mean, this could be a game where he really blows up. I mean, he, he goes down the field, he stretches the defense a little bit. And I think with all the smoke screens and the reverses and all that stuff that Kyle Shanahan comes up with, I think this is the week to do it because you got a defense that gives up a lot of points and they do it every week and they do it consistently. And the reason the 49ers don't throw it further downfield is because they're generally not great in pass protection. They're a lot better when Garoppolo gets rid of the ball quickly, but Seattle doesn't have a pass rush. They did not touch Kyler Murray a single time on a drop back last week. They traded for Carlos Dunlap on Wednesday from Cincinnati, but he he won't be on the team in time because of all the COVID protocols. So um, I, I really think this is a situation where the 49ers can open things up because they're going to be playing downhill. Seattle's not going to be terrorizing the quarterback. 49ers do have an advantage in this game up front. Uh, the final one here, it's just funny, so we can go through this really quick. Not a question from a guy named That Guy You Know. So That Guy You oh, Know on guy. Twitter. Yeah, oh, not a question, but can you just please explain to the fans that they will not be major buyers in the trade market so everyone stops freaking out? Please, question mark, question mark, question mark, and three exclamation marks. The guy is begging us to tell people that the 49ers won't be major buyers in the trade market because I guess people are freaking out on Twitter. Well, I mean, according to NFL PA salary cap database, the 49ers on Wednesday had negative cap room, which isn't even possible. It's because not everything's logged there, but the point stands, they don't have money. Now, we might see some trades here that free up some money or some restructures that free up some money. But yeah, that guy you know is on to something. There's not going to be anything huge just because they can't even restructure their way into anything huge right now. Um, they're just limited by the fact that they don't have money. Yeah, and uh, we saw the Seattle trade for Carlos Dunlap, and w- one of the things that they sent to Cincinnati was another player. I mean, that would be the only feasible way that the 49ers could, could do something like that is if they uh, sent a player or two elsewhere, and that freed up some space. And it's looking less and less likely that that's going to happen, but it could. I mean, John Lynch is obviously on the phone line, and he... He did hit the right spot, uh, defensive end, when uh, he made that Jordan Willis trade, which is just a modest one, but you know it sort of reinforces the notion that that's where the weakness lies right now. So uh, I don't see it happening, but uh, if it does, uh, maybe even another defensive lineman. Anything's possible, but if if you don't have the cash, it's hard to go out and do any shopping, which is you know the story of my life. So I understand it. If you don't have the dough, you just, you know, you you have to deal with what you have. Whatever you have in-house, you have to kind of figure out. I mean, this is when you earn your money as a coach. You have to, you have to use what you have and you have to use it in a creative way. So by November 3rd, I don't see any, any big changes, you know, maybe a little something here, a little something there, but nothing big before, you know, November 3rd. All right. Predictions time. Matt, do you have your prediction ready because i uh, i'm so on the fence with this game that i could use another minute i'm so on the fence too i I was gonna go with seattle and then i felt like you two convinced me that the 49ers can win this all i will pick the 49ers you know for everything that we've been talking about the fact that the crowd will not be a factor in this game seattle's defense is not the defense of uh, those famed teams here's another reason 
the Seahawks played about as long a game as they possibly could have against the Cardinals the other day. They That game stretched three hours and 54 minutes. That was almost a four-hour game. Conversely, the, the 49ers, uh, of course, were on the road in New England, but their game was only two hours and 44 minutes. So they had a quick, I don't want to say easy game, but you know their, their, their defense at least was on the sideline by game's end. So the, the Seahawks are kind of recovering from that game against the Cardinals. All of those things, I think, help the 49ers, and if they can kind of uh, maintain that momentum that they built uh, against the Rams and then continued in New England, that's something to contend with, no matter who's not in there. So I'm going to say this is going to be another tight game. We might have to rely on Dre Greenlaw to make another tackle at the one-centimeter line but uh, I think the 49ers squeak out with a win. I'm on the fence, too. I look at this 49ers defense, and I, I look at Seattle Seahawks offense, and I just see a lot of weaponry, and I see a depleted secondary. In it. But I, then I look over on the defensive side, and I see who, how are you going to stop this 49ers offense, George Kittle? I mean, who's going to cover that guy? Who's going to stop the run? And who's going to pressure Jimmy Garoppolo? And I see nobody. So I see a high-scoring game. All my predictions have been completely wrong, so I guess it doesn't matter at this. But I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm talking each team, both teams scoring at least 30 points in this football game. I think it's just going to be a straight shootout. But I do see the 49ers coming up on top. Yeah, I, I think we're going to be unanimous here, guys, and this is going to shock a lot of people. But um, I've I've delved into this matchup a lot. I watched some film on Seattle and what their offensive line does well. And I actually think it's a good matchup for the 49ers this time for a lot of the, the, the reasons that we've talked about, mainly because Seattle's defense isn't good. And I'm going to be consistent too. I always talk about how important balance is and, and how I think that the, the balanced teams are eventually going to come out on top. Historically, that's proven to be true year in and year out. That's why I picked the Rams to beat the 49ers. And that's why I was wrong. I thought the Rams were more balanced the 49ers proved they were more balanced in that game. And I think it's even more clear on paper ahead of this game that the 49ers are the more balanced football team than the Seattle Seahawks. So here's my rationale. The Seahawks scored 34 points against an Arizona defense last week through five quarters because it was overtime too. It's not nearly as good as, as the 49ers defense, even when it's beleaguered. So as long as that 49ers defense holds the Seattle offense to, to fewer points than Arizona held them, which I think is totally possible, I think they can hold them to 29 to 31 points, I don't see the Seattle defense holding the 49ers under 31 points. So I think it's going to be 34, 31, 49ers or something like that, kind of like what Dennis said. That's my pick, and you know I might have talked myself into it, but the, I, I've just been looking over and over again at this in Seattle, they might have been flashy at the start of the year. They might still be flashy now, but they don't play defense. And, and I'm, I'm a big believer in defense. So we'll see if we're right, but it's going to be interesting. Um, we put ourselves out on a limb there. We're going to look really bad if the 49ers get blown out, but whatever. <laughs> um, we'll make Tanika erase this episode if uh, we don't get it right. Because I'm such a defensive purist, and I know Dennis is too, and I know Matt, to, to an extent, you probably are as well. It's hard for me in good faith to pick a team who has the 28th ranked defense against the defending NFC champion. It would be like a slap in the face to the sport of football. You know, like I, I think Seattle needs to show me that they can actually stop the 49ers before I pick them. That's where my rationale comes from. That's the end of my rant. For Matt Barrows and for Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you guys after the Seahawks game. <laughs>